0: When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Claps, 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 The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. (laughs) You've chosen to sign this new contract here at Arsenal, but what made you so sure that this was the best place and this was the right decision for you? It's Arsenal, you know. Come on, it's Arsenal. Welcome back to. One, two, Chelsea or Pooh, three, four, I love Kivy with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend.
1: <laughs> what the fuck was that?
0: <laughs> George, unfortunately, is not here. Um, his pipes have burst in his house. Well, something he said, he wrote on our group chat saying, I can't podcast because our pipes burst. Is it have his burst.
1: pipe that has burst? Is he just triumphantly it's saying just, that he's ejaculated and needs about an hour's rest? It just
0: rest? sounds like a euphemism. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It just... <laughs> Someone had to say it. Like, yeah, come on, realistically. So he may, he may join us a little bit later, uh, but you have Bradley, Adams and myself. Whose birthday it was yesterday, Bradley, wasn't it?
1: It was. i am I'm officially in my late 20s. Happy birthday, mate.
0: Yeah, 27, you are late 20s. You can't can't boss up as mid 20s. Early 20s is
1: 20, 21, 22, maybe pushing 23. And 24, 25, 26 is your mids. I'm in the late 20s, baby. You're in the late.
0: Yeah. I remember when I turned 23 and I was like, fuck. If yeah. you're, if you, you can't be like you can't be like a, you're not a kid you are not a child at 23 no like you're you, in your mid 20s at 20 you're like you're still really a child but like I mean realistically we're still we're always always children always children of God but did you have a nice day? <laughs> <laughs> yes good thank you mate good, good thank you good made all the better by a win for the bloody Gooners oh mate um, Arsenal 3 Chelsea 1 at the Emirates um There's probably only one place to start, really, with the performance of Jakub Kivior. George and I spoke on the instant reaction, and I'll be honest, my my word of the game is uh, two words, but I'm the fucking host, so let me have it. It's mixed feelings, because I obviously am really happy about the win, Um, I'm really happy with the way we played. I feel very conflicted because I feel as though we knew what the issue was and I want to set a rule for this podcast that instead of using Rob Holdings name from now on, I'm going to use the phrase wrong profile because it's not about him. It's about the wrong profile, right? Yeah. So we've, we've known the issue with having the wrong profile. We've then put a more suitable profile in and it's worked and it just felt so frustrating that it took him this long to adapt. And I think there's all sorts of possible reasons for that and possibly we can go through that. But that was my main feeling coming away from the game was like, okay, yeah, we won 3-1. You know, Chelsea are, I mean, we can talk about that as well. Chelsea are absolutely They're pony. dog. They're
1: fucking
0: <laughs> they pony. dog. Um and, and realistically if you look at if you look at their their team you know, they had periods of possession because they have some unbelievable footballers in it. They are just a dog football team at the moment. And that tells you so much about environment and culture and tactics and stuff and how important that all stuff is, as as most people who understand the game in any sort of capacity beyond a surface level understand. But you can't just stick a load of individuals together. Anyway, um, so yeah, you know, I was I was pleased, obviously put the pressure back on Man City. But, you know, in, again, in the context of the, the title race, I just, I couldn't get too happy about it because I felt really upset about the Kivior thing, that mm. that hadn't happened sooner um so yeah how how did you feel about it what's your word of the game and and why don't you think he changed it sooner i mean that's my main feeling
1: <sighs> my my word of the game is revert because i think we reverted back to what we've been doing so well keeping a high line uh, obviously with the addition of kivior um And it's allowed our counter-press to work much, much better. You know, George has said it a million times. You've said it a million times. And I've said it a million times. The thing is, is it's not Rob Holding's fault. It's it's asking somebody... It's asking, uh, to use a topical kind of anecdote, it's asking a plumber to do your electrics. Like, Rob Holding is a Premier League footballer. Like, he's good at football. It's just that he's good at certain things that do not allow us to play the way that we needed to play. I have a sneaky feeling that say, for example, the city game comes pre West Ham and Southampton and we lose that game. We see a change at West Ham and Southampton. I feel like, um, we stuck with Rob because obviously we had the result against Crystal Palace. We had the result against Leeds with him at the back. And if I am honest, we should have been able to win those two games with Holding at centre-back. No matter the issues, there was a real problem with collapse in that team. Drawing those games, even with Rob Holding in, is unacceptable when you consider some of the talent that we had on the pitch. And there were other people like Thomas Partey and such dropping absolute disaster classes in those games. So I, I, I think that... Rob Holding is definitely the reason for a lot of those problems, but it's just really, really frustrating that an answer has kind of been staring us in the face, and we've not, we've not gone for it. Um, you know, Southampton have taken four points off us this season, and they're bottom of the Premier League, and just absolutely turgid as a footballing side. You know. Yep. And two of those points are because of Ramsdale's ADHD, and and two of them are because we we refused to acknowledge the problems from the previous game, and I think that that's becoming a bit of a theme. And I and I understand that you don't want a knee jerk reaction. You know, I I I feel like after West Ham, West Ham is one result. You kind of you don't you don't want your manager after every every poor result making massive like changes. But I think you just have to look at that line height change. And that was the massive change. Putting Kivior in wasn't a massive change. It's what we've been doing all season. Putting holding in actually is the massive change. And I think that's obviously where we've got it wrong. I mean, it's far from over. Maybe big Sam Aladice can
0: pull a mad one at the weekend. but um... <laughs> You see him saying that he thinks he's got the same level of football knowledge as Pep hey, and our, <laughs> Here's
1: the thing. Here's the thing. I think that this is a very underrated piece of man management because what's the story at Leeds at the moment now? And what's going to be the story till the end of the season? Sam Allardyce and his big, big ego. Not the pressure on the players. I don't not think Not the think it's poor results.
0: I, I oh, saw that I I don't on know. Twitter. I, I, I don't think it's that I conscious.
1: don't know. I don't know. Like w- these people are, no matter what we think of Sam Allardyce or no matter what we think of, so they're at the pinnacle of the game. Like he's managed 500 Premier League games. Like, you you learn a certain amount of know-how. And we've seen Mikel do it. Mikel is a massive fucking liar. Mikel <laughs> lies all the fucking time in presses just to throw yeah. spanners in the works. It's a massive part of the game. And, and his style of management is massively to do... With, with man management, it's not tactical. It's about galvanizing players and being able to take that entire story and take the heat from it and make it about yourself and take the pressure off the players probably will be really appreciated and might work wonders for them.
0: Personally, I think he's too arrogant to to be conscious of that. That may be a unintended consequence, but I think you know that might happen. I think realistically, for somebody who says, "Oh, if I was called Aladici, I'd have got all the top jobs." Re- Mate, you've managed like half the clubs in England, and you managed England, and you fucked it up. Do you know what I mean? So stop with this whole idea that you've been wrongly treated. For goodness' sake. Um, anyway, back to the topic at hand. I think the I think the the frustration for me and the reason I had mixed feelings. Uh, is is what i said and also i suppose what i felt was i can kind of make peace with the idea of us playing the wrong profile if we felt as though Kivior wasn't ready or Kivior wasn't right i think i could make peace with it but when he does it three games later or change and again you know it's it, even if he changed it to one of the sort of you know arsenal twitter art installation lineups you know one of the sort of you know Kieran team, uh, uh, false wing back or whatever center people wing doing. back yeah. half
1: <laughs> in you know, zone 417 on the right re- flank
0: recalled maitland niles and played him false trequatista you know whatever whatever people were doing absolutely fine but the <laughs> um but but the, the frustration for me is that he knew he knew where the issue was because we <laughs> you like that one. He he knew where the issue was. He and because because he's pixely but all season he's adapted to the you know with Partey dropping with Jesus dropping. Okay, you know even if even if he hasn't always necessarily given those instructions, he's seen that playing out and hasn't hasn't changed it. So you know he can see where the issue is, and the only way I could couch it was that he felt was that was the best version and maybe he did this is the thing is is it's very easy after the fact of course to to complain about this but realistically in terms of the fine margins of football if saka um scores that penalty we're not talking about west ham and we'd probably go on and win it southampton you know there is mm-hmm. there is definitely a, a a kind of sliding doors moment there um and you know <laughs> i i just feel as though I feel as though there's a number of possible reasons why he might have done it. We will never know. But I suppose from a fan perspective, I just, yeah, I have to say, I just feel really bummed out that, like, he's done it then. And also, if he'd come out and said something like, you know, we were considering it, we felt like he wasn't ready or whatever, what he said was the team needed freshening up. I was like, yeah, it needed freshening up three games ago, mate like where have you been like and that's the frustration the problem is 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 whatever angle you take on this there is always going to be an element of well you don't actually know what Mikel's thinking was because we won't we won't we literally won't know so any kind of criticism of well why didn't he bring kivior in he might have his reasons and we can only guess at them so that's why it's frustrating as well because we just will never know why he didn't do it but it, from a surface perspective it's uh, it's really disappointing let's get to it's his, his game it's also
1: frustrating because it's the same thing that happened last season like yeah, Rob Holding came and in and, and Eddie and Lacker but also Rob Holding came in and derailed our season the end of last season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, like, that's kind of like you know that's kind of
1: We didn't have here's the thing we didn't have the the personnel to affect a change in that moment with Holding especially against Spurs and, and and at Newcastle and such like we were stuck in that situation. That was unavoidable. Right. But there's a certain amount of growth that you need to that you need to have when you've watched somebody come in and then the biggest game of last season has gotten himself sent off within half an hour against your closest rivals and balls up the end of what was a really positive season last season. And and the same thing has happened, you know. He's come in, we've dropped the line the the line height. Other players have dropped absolute fucking disaster classes and such, but there's there's definitely room to to have the conversation of we know Rob Holding, we know what he's like, we know the effect that he has, and it or wrong profile. Why are we Why are we still persisting with it?
0: I appreciate that, but I do. I feel as though. I don't understand what basically the answer to that is why do we still have Rob holding at the club? We should have got someone else in, right? But in the last two years, I don't even think
1: that. I just, I just think why haven't we, why haven't we tested something else? But I honestly, here's the thing that I think about those three games is we had the freak result to West Ham. And I think Mikel and his head goes, Oh, well, do you know what? If we scored that penalty, it ends three one. And that was the game. It's just a freak moment, a freak result. We'll we'll put that down to just a missed penalty and then a drop in confidence from that, and then has gone into the Southampton game, just thinking that the previous one was a freak result. Decided to go with the same lineup, like most people would, you know. Um, you know, if you're attributing that to just a freak moment, and then you go to the City game and you're going, well, fuck, actually, there, you know, he, I mean, he, sh- he probably did see it before, but no, this is actually a much more systemic problem, an issue that needs fixing but we're up against Man City and do I want to put this centre-back on the wrong side of a back four for his first full 90 of a season against a team that's just surpassed 1,000 goals? Well,
0: that's why I say do it sooner. <laughs> that's a Yeah,
1: that's why I would have said do it sooner, but I, that, that's the kind of logic I can see Mikel going through to keep him in for those three games, not that he should have made it past you know 20 minutes against West Ham.
0: Mm. No, I, I get you... I. I suppose my my feeling is, yeah, it's down to Mikel. We should have anticipated it sooner and found a different solution. I think sometimes the argument is, well, why are we still doing Rob Holding? You know, he's coming and derailed our season again. You go, well, realistically, Mikel has, Mikel signed, Mikel bought in Saliba last summer. He's trying to integrate Rule Walters into the team. He brought in Tommy Asu the summer before and, and Ben White in, the, in that summer. He has kept signing right-sided players. It's not like he wants to play Rob Holt. It, it, it's not, you know, he keeps signing players and we keep ending up in that situation. Now, the answer is find a different solution. But that's, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about. The um, Let's move on to K- Kibio's performance more specifically then because... He wasn't perfect, let's be clear. And I also think I wanted to come back to something you said, um, that the the line height, yeah, the line height did change. I think I've been looking at some numbers today and actually it's not as crazy as we think it did change, but it was not as crazy as you think and the defensive actions were pretty similar actually. For me, it's actually more about the central compactness. It's about the spaces between the lines. That that were that were massively different, and allowed us to play, and it allowed us to progress uh, the ball a bit easier. It, it closed the distances, and you know we know how that all that how all that goes. You know, realistically, I felt as though he was pretty conservative in his passing. I felt he was um, he's more ambipedal than he showed last night. He was opening out only to the left, basically. I, I, I would be surprised if he played more than two or three passes to Ben White. Um, uh, and certainly he didn't play any to, to to Saka in the way that Saliba can get the ball out to Saka and, and progress down that side. So, you know, we do lose something. Um, but I also feel quite strongly that the more he plays, the more confident he'll get and the more he will probably feel as though he can start to be a bit more adventurous in his passing. There was nothing between the lines. But what we did see... Was there was a couple of moments and I want to pick out two too specifically. Um, there was a moment with Havertz on 68 minutes, people might remember that. There was a moment where he his he just dangled a foot out and stopped Mudrick on 74 minutes. And it's these little moments of quality that you see from a Saliba and you see from properly talented defenders where they just always seem to be able to get that foot in at the right moment. They just always seem to be in the right place at the right time. And a lot of that is coaching, of course, but it's also a lot of, it's just instinct and talent, like pure talent that has been, been nurtured and hours and hours on the training ground. And then having the physical capacity to, to that up means we can structurally play the way we want. So I think it's a solution. I want to see it again against Newcastle because I absolutely don't want to see Rob holding again at St. James's park. Um, I do think it's not perfect, but we know it's not perfect. Perfect is bringing Saliba back. <laughs> you know, it's it's not all you know getting, Upa Macano while the stocks are low. You know, so um, I think uh, it's frustrating. Would you? Would you? I'm pres- presuming you want to see Kiviru at Newcastle.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think. Uh, do you know what? Bless Rob. He's been a great servant. He's come up in moments, but it's you can't. I don't. Uh, we've we've spent this whole season with the idea of meritocracy. In the idea of earning your place. And I don't I don't know what you do to a lad's confidence when he comes in and puts in a good performance like that and we get back to winning ways to immediately revert. Because it wasn't because holding was injured, it was obviously a tactical thing. And you don't gain anything going to St. James's Park with Holding in the back line. Um and I think the thing one of the it's it like you say, it's incremental details. Kivior released the ball quicker. And that sounds so yeah. small, but no, those huge. extra one or two touches Those extra half a second here, second there. Not only do they eat up time in a game, it's less time to be getting the ball forward, but it allows pressing teams to close the angles. And that's always been Rob's problem. So I, yeah, I think it's been fun. Good servant. Move on.
0: (laughs) Thanks for the memories, mate.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for the memes. Great hairline rejuvenation. Um, Cool. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. Um Yeah, no, I, I just, I think now he's, now he's seen that it will be crazy to oh, we, we, me to go, oh, change, to go and change yeah, that. I, I would, I'd look, I'd
1: twenty twenty Bradley would come out for about thirty minutes. <laughs> if I see Rob Holding's name on that fucking tweet, twenty twenty Bradley is gonna resurge f- through me. And I am going to, like, I might actually need to be locked in a room and censored because some of the things that come out of my mouth might actually get me put in prison. Because Mikel Arteta, I'm coming for you. El Terrorista a- would be back.
0: <laughs> Terrorist, boy, the Spanish Tony Biulis, all that stuff. Um, the- <laughs> <laughs> um, Listeners, there's, there's a joke that Bradley did on a recent podcast that I literally took out because it was. Oh, it, did was you so, take it, out? it was so offensive. Yeah, I just thought, <laughs> no, I can't, I can't leave that in because no, j- just fair enough. It was I'm not, yeah. it, it was something to do with Anne Frank. You can you work that one out? Um, so uh, yeah, basically, no, it um, wasn't
1: anything to do with chambers or anything like
0: that. Okay? No, it was, it was. It wasn't we're, anti-Semitic. Like, it was. It just, wasn't
1: anti-Semitic. It was more it was, about the usefulness of Rob Holding. Okay.
0: Anyway, we'll 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 stay clear <laughs> before we go back to it.
1: <laughs> Fucking hell! You made me sound. A, you made me sound very bad for about thirty seconds. Basically, there. what
0: we're saying is Brad is a Nazi. And we're outing him on the pod. Um, yes. You know, I
1: am white.
0: It's the blonde hair, and blue eyes, middle class. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: <laughs> hey, they're brown, darling. They're green. They're green. I'm a proper Aryan. Yeah, they're they're like greeny-brown. I'm not blue. I'm not that special.
0: Oh, I am. Um, That was depressing. Oh, darling. 27. It's all going downhill. Um, I also, I suppose we should talk about the dropping of... Dropping, again, hard word. The choice of Troussard and Jorginho over Partey and Martinelli. Um, Didn't feel Troussard had a, you know you know, crazy impact, but he, you know, he does well as he always does and he combines really well. Um, I thought Jorginho was great. I, You know, yeah. in a different game state, I imagine we'd be feeling something, but I think it was the right choice for Mikel to go, look, I, I, I feel, and I don't know what your thoughts are, I feel Part A's knackered. I think yeah. it's just been, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's been a long season. He's asked to hold down so much space. He's asked to be that lone pivot and, you know, it's it, it's just not, it's so much for him and this There's is a why next season sitting you know,
1: like what? sub in calvin phillips pretty much every game at around 75 80 minutes because those 10 minutes across the course of a season do just take the load out of out of Rodri's legs um and that's the problem is we haven't been doing that because we don't have the personnel to keep that level high or we didn't until Till January when we, we picked up Jorginho. But even then, Jorginho is only worth it in certain game states and moments. So it's not the same as having a a Phillips a Rodri to Phillips drop-off. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a very different profile.
0: Yeah, and that's why I think it's so important to get in whoever it ends up being this summer, whether it's a Rice or a Caicedo. And against it's about Both, having mate. the midfield, it's about having the midfield group. Well, yeah, exactly. It's about having the midfield group. It's about having, you know, be, and being able to Start with Rice in the Champions League and then play Partey and Rice at left eight and then be able to, you know, put Rice back in the six for, for uh, at the end of a game when we're 1-1 and we're trying to chase a winner and stick a Fabio Vieira in left eight or whatever, you know, whatever it ends up being. You know, it's having, having options and being able to play people when they're fresh. I don't think you ever want to be in a situation and I don't think Man City are basically where you essentially have to play someone otherwise you massively reduce your chances of of winning they could play two elevens, both of which have a very good chance of winning and therefore they they're you know it's, it's squad depth isn't it but you know i think the likes of the likes of saka when saka parte saliba i think that's probably a Maid and Jacka kind of saka Partey, and saliba are kind of the most important cogs in that team. And when one of them doesn't play, we see the drop off and we just need to get to a place where that's not there. You know, however we yeah. get there. Um, and, and because otherwise it's, you it's just mar- absolutely to market problems. It is, yeah, it yeah, is
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, like, it gets to a point. It's the same conversation. We'll have in news reviews about Patino. And another, another moves and such. It's it's market problems. Until you delve into the market and buy adequate replacements, like a Rice or like a Caicedo or like a whoever who can step in in those moments and and do the same things. You you don't have the ability to sustain your style of football over a course of a season because you will get injuries and you will get fatigue. There's yeah. so much football played; it's
0: mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did you while we're on Saka? I'm less worried than I was a couple of weeks ago because I think actually he's he's not scoring, obviously, at the same rate. I think a lot of that is down to our right-hand side and and the service he's getting. But his actions look okay. And that was the difference for me was that... I felt as though probably 2 weeks ago he was getting out for he was getting he wasn't able to roll his defender he wasn't looking to penetrate now he's not necessarily having that final moment that final cut in and stick it top bins or rifle it in the bottom corner as he did against United that's not quite happening for him at the moment but actually I think in just if you just put if you just cut up all the clips of Saka everything he does he receives it he passes it off Simple, and it doesn't. You know, he doesn't need to change the world every single time he plays, and you know, absolutely rin- rinse the game for us. He's just a really reliable player, you know. And and I think that that has come from a period where he's just he's just had to go through it a little bit. And in another season, as we were just talking about, I would like to have sat him down for just for a game. You know, just just for you know. Just for sixty minutes against someone, you sit Saka down. You just give him some time off, and he comes on and you know gets a, gets an assist or whatever, and he's back on he's back on track. But yeah, I, are you worried about him at all? I, no, I, I don't, I don't it's always that. been.
1: I think it's 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 a mixture of a fitness thing and also when you play that much football, you're bound to go through dry patches of form and have to play your way back in. And I think that's the problem. Is we especially on that right hand side, we have we have no adequate cover. As good as Reese Nelson is, he's a left winger in the way that we play wingers. We don't have that left-footed right winger that that keeps us stylistically the same, which which is probably why we consistently don't sub Sakharov. We have him playing 90 minutes so much. Um I think that's that's definitely got to change next season. We have to get in a ready-made profile on that right-hand side who can step in in those moments. Like a Trossard, I, I wouldn't mind uh, like Solly March, you know, 28-year-old, knows what he is, knows what he can do, contributor and can step in and perform rather than rather than another growth project. Um, but I'm not worried. I mean, the boy's sensational. He's had a couple of off games.
0: Yeah, I suppose the concern was more was more physical. Uh, you know, it's I'm not, I'm not concerned yeah. about Saka's development at all. But but I think you're bang on that. You need some. You just need someone to come in who's able to go. Okay, let me take the second half off you in, in the week against you know yeah. Leipzig in the, traps the, on spore. Yeah, yeah. Or whoever it ends up being, you know, and then you can you know play seventy five minutes of the weekend, and I'll come in and fill fill in for you. So you know, it's it's you just need someone who's who the level doesn't completely drop away. And you yeah, know, I, I think I said this recently on a. a a uh, bit of bonus content for patreon.com for just if not which you can sign up for £3 a month to become a TDK member please um, do it please <laughs> um, essentially I feel at the moment we have 13 we have Asu, we have the, the 11 Tomiyasu and Troussard and then beyond that it's 1% ad- adaptation, it's 2% adaptation, 3% adaptation for, and then the more you adapt, the more, the more we get away from our football. So we just yeah. need to add those profiles. But we know that. Um the handball from Fafana at risk of setting you off. If that's not a handball, I, I, don't, I don't know what, what a handball I don't know, is.
1: I don't know what a handball is anymore. I don't I, I watched
0: don't. the West Ham game back for something earlier. Uh, or a little bit of it, and I watched the Mikel Antonio one. It's exactly the same. It's the same incident. It's the exact same incident, and it's ju- and it, 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 it got it even got checked. I don't understand. <laughs> I know it's a very it's very easy fodder for podcasters to to get on and just go oh I'm fucking yeah, or whatever. But I'm just I, I'm also like on another day. If you, say Chelsea come back and get back to three three by some absolute miracle. That moment is crucial. But it, it, it makes no sense. I don't know what a handball... genuine. I'm seriously asking someone tell me what a handball is because I don't know what it is now. I don't know but a the rule problem of football. Is, mate, I'm that confused it, it's, by
1: it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's also the problem is, is it's, it's not even that there's a rule that we're somehow missing. The rule is being put into practice differently across every single game. It's the referees. It's not the rule. Because there's been lots of rule changes about if you're using your hand to to stop yourself from falling and the ball strikes it, that's not a handball or if the hand is is close to the body or if it hits you on the upper arm where the sleeve is rather than the lower arm. Blah, 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 blah. But the problem is, is we're seeing across multiple games that rule being inflicted differently and people having their arms in the most natural of places um, have it hit there and and you know it not be given and also having Thomas Suchek do a diving save against Chelsea back in <laughs> West Ham versus literally like palming the ball away. And that not being given because of the idea that he was breaking his fall, which he obviously wasn't. He was already
0: on the floor like Yeah, that was that was crazy.
1: It's a it's a refereeing it's not the problem is we don't know the rule because referees are doing whatever the fucking wind blows them. Whichever way. That's what they're doing. They're just deciding in the moment. It's they're not they. They've been given a set of parameters that they're ignoring in the moment, and that's the problem. It, like half the problem with fucking English football is the refereeing and the refereeing systems. Pay them more, educate them, and get get this current crop out because we could lose if we win the rest of our games and City win the rest of their games. They finish two points above us, right? Uh,
0: it might be more actually. I think it might be four.
1: Might be four. Okay.
0: Because they're one above us now and never given her. Let's
1: say, let's say, I don't know, they fucking lose one or whatever, and they finish one point above us. We would win the league if they draw the lines versus Brentford. Imagine that. The fact that the league title went elsewhere is because a now sacked Premier League official did not draw the lines on VAR, the one thing that you're meant to do. This is what I mean. It's not and it 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 like. It's not conspiracy. It's, it's not. It's just incompetence. It's just like we, the, the, the football has grown so rapidly and the, the ways that we, that we train referees and the ways that we employ referees and the money that they are paid and, and the way that they are sourced has not changed rapidly. You look at how much has gone into scouting and into football academies and into training in the last 20 years. Has that happened for referees to to have them have the same linear process of improvement? No. So no wonder they still referee like it's the fucking 90s because that's what they've been trained to do. That's
0: what they're fucking used to. Uh, You're right. It's just, yeah. You're right about that. You're right. Um, I want to head to news and views in just a second, but uh, only a couple more things I really want to talk about about the game. I want to point out Jesus was unbelievable in the second phase yesterday um, again just back to goal his ability to hold the ball up uh, I will say he's a say, wonderful footballer he's a wonderful guy I will say I don't think he'll be on number nine forever but I think oh you know, definitely not And have, he's on number nine
1: he'll be on number nine next season and that's it I promise yeah, you I promise definitely. you I think we'll sign someone in the summer but um, I don't think we will this is a conversation for later but I, the striker market this summer is dead
0: yeah yeah, Unless might you're be paying
1: 150 million for o- Osiman, that's yeah. it. Arsenal aren't going to be able to sign Kane because it's Tottenham. They won't sell to us. And other than if you're going to spend 150 million on to- on Osiman, Tony isn't like you probably spend 50 million on him, but I don't think he's the level that you want for starting striker at Arsenal. And if we're going to buy a striker, we want them to start. I genuinely think it will be um, not this summer, but it will be next summer or the summer after. Probably next summer that we go out and sign a centre forward. Because also I... it takes a year off of a lot of contracts. If you look at the contract situations because of the, I don't know. I do this sometimes just because I'm a bit of a neek. I just look at fucking contracts and like when players are becoming available and stuff. Honestly, if you look at the contracts that, that are, that are become like two or three years away from expiring next summer, it's a much more lucrative market to go into rather than this year. Austin has got like two years left on his deal next summer. So they, they won't be trying to get 150 for him. It becomes a more, more feasible move.
0: I feel we will do something this summer because I think, I think we'll, we'll get we go, a forward. But I because I think we're going to go for a kind of teenish profile, a Cesco uh, from Salzburg, is it or Leipzig? No, Leipzig. Well, he went to
1: Leipzig last summer. No, I'd, right. I'd, I'd I'd happily get him, but he wouldn't some, start for us.
0: No, but Next that's season. what that's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't. I'm not saying. I think we won't get a striker that starts for us. I think we're going to get a basically a tall complete center forward who's very pre-peak yeah. essentially oh, because yeah. I think I think that works best for for, for, Hoyland
1: for from Atla- Atalanta but again yeah, not you're talking him, but yeah but again it's all these players are locked into long-term deals and you're talking about now having to spend 50-60 on a player that in a in a year's time is going to be 30 40 maybe
0: 50 <laughs> <coughs> um shout out to who I thought was Oh. terrific terrific! yesterday his goals are a lot harder than they look I reckon he's I think, a you know, single
1: goal off of the record for non-penalty goals by a midfielder
0: yep yeah it's an extraordinary season and and I you know <laughs> there are Arsenal fans there's people listening to this podcast Brad who think we should get rid of Martin Odegaard I, I it's and it's similar to Ramsdale in the same moment with the Ben Chilwell thing I cannot help you if you think we need to get rid of Ramsdale and Odegaard. I I can't I literally can't help you I I don't understand what football you're watching. Yes, they make mistakes. Show me a under 25 player in the world who comes in and does a better job than those two in this current Arsenal setup. Donnarumma? We're not getting him. Um, I also don't know if he does. Because I I don't even think he's starting for PSG anymore. I think he
1: got dropped. I think he got dropped for a while for poor form.
0: All right. Anyway, so, you know, I, 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 I don't understand what people are watching. Um, the only other thing that's maybe worth saying is about Zinchenko. I do have a bit of a theory about Zinchenko, and there is some... I always feel if if, if you're scouting Arsenal and you're, you're looking for a way to get at us, I imagine the scout report would always say there might be some space in behind on that left-hand side. And we've scored, conceded a couple of goals now. The Jared Bowen one, the one yesterday. uh, The Firmino one. The the Firmino one, um, where Trent gets in behind. Although I think the Bowen one was in behind Tierney. Uh, But a number of goals have come down on our left-hand side. People are targeting our left-hand side. The early Bournemouth one. So, you know, I just think there is space on our left-hand side where... Ultimately, because you have an inverted fullback, there is always going to be a weakness there. There's going to be... A, and the thing is, you have to accept you're going to give up spaces in football. That is going to happen. The question is where? And often you want you want to push people to the side or you want to exploit the side areas or you want to push people further back, whatever it is. You have to decide where you want to give up space. In behind our left back is not where I want to give up space. So um, yeah, it's it's something that interests me. I wonder whether we'll see Kivior there next season. Um, as not, I don't know whether he'll start, but I wonder whether we'll see Kivior in the in the inverted left back role, which he's he's done. He's played in the middle for for Spezia. I wonder whether we'll see that um, and have a more of a kind of four athletic centre back, come left, uh, come full backs, come centre backs type things all over six foot, all athletic profiles, all progressors, but who are just you know defenders as well. And if we just sacrifice a little bit of that star quality that Zinčić has on the ball, I think I think we've got enough behind the ball now that. We might be okay. So, and if yeah. Teeny
1: goes, we'd probably definitely. I that we would definitely be signing another player in that
0: zone. Yeah, so. and I think it would be very instructive who we sign, what kind of profile we sign. Because if it, if it's a you know Zinchenko analog, um, I just you know the the, the Martinez thing happened, and Lissandro Martinez is a better defender than than Zinchenko. Let's be clear. So they were clearly going for a more defensive version of that and they went for, they ended up going for Zinchenko but that wasn't Arteta's first choice clearly so I, I think it not necessarily one plus one doesn't always equal two but I think maybe in this case that it does. So um, yeah, it's just something something to watch. And there are so loads
1: to. of happy accidents like I, for example um, we could sign, we've got Kivior and we could sign a new left back and I, I probably guarantee you Zinchenko's going to start most, most games next season because he's Excellent at what he does. It's only against certain teams that you need slightly more defensive acumen in that role. It's against your Liverpools and your cities, teams that have the players that can exploit that space expertly, that you're going to have to make a change, like putting Ake at left back, who's more of a centre back. We'll find that.
0: Yeah, we've just got to find the balance. You're right. It, and again, you know, there's so much football to be played. It's not to say Zinchenko won't be our left back. It's just that we might have different versions. Oh, of, there's a of disgusting...
1: With, with the amount of games in the Champions League and the FA Cup and the Premier there's a disgusting amount of minutes.
0: Yeah. Um Final thing. Gabrielle, are we worried? Yeah.
1: Not been rotated a lot this season. Um, Doesn't usually come I do think it's. I do think it's mind games. To say that he, I think he probably came off as a precaution.
0: Yeah, Mikel was very keen to stress that he was worried. And I was like, hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, when someone's like, yeah, I'm," oh God, yeah, yeah, really bad. And you're like. So worried. Oh, was awful. Yeah. Yeah. I was and like,
1: Mikel's a fucking liar. Like, Mikel <laughs> is a big fat fucking liar. In these pressers, I've never known somebody chat more
0: shit. He does tell a porky pie. It's so time. good. I,
1: I love it, mate. I fucking love it. Like you little rascal, you know exactly what you're fucking doing.
0: Before we get to news and views, there's one final thing to say, Bradley. Just one. Chelsea are absolutely dog shit.
1: They're fucking shit, mate. Oh, it's such a shame that they're not going to get relegated. It's such a
0: shame. Well, I was talking about this with someone earlier.
1: I don't think they're winning another game. I don't think. I think they'll probably lose every game till the end of the season. But. It's more a question of do you believe that Leicester and Leeds and West Hamlets. Okay, let's do this in easy views because this I, want to, news news news. I just want to
0: talk about it. I to talk about We'll see you.
1: After this.
0: News and news. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly hours thank you to those of you who are in the different not members club join at patreon.com forward slash diff and get access to ad free versions of all of our content including main and bonus podcasts instant reactions the rewatch and bonus video content for just three pounds a month and for one-time support head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash diff where you can buy me a coffee please i switched
1: to oat milk that's an extra
0: 50p of coffee man. Oh, man please buy me a coffee saving the planet saving the planet saving the planet I love it when um people get all arsy at you for not my mum got really arsy at me the other day for not recycling something. I was like, Mum, you know, like there's like a hundred companies that, that produce seventy yeah. percent of all emissions. Like I get the principle, I do get it, and like I should have recycled it, but at the same time, but also if you're like, angry, it ain't gonna make a difference. Go be angry at that. Yeah. <laughs> she was like really annoyed. I was like, okay, you're you're projecting something on me. <laughs> yeah. Um Yes, so I had a look at this Chelsea situation the other day Uh, let me get the table up yeah Holland breaking the goal record absolutely ridiculous so their remaining fixtures are Nottingham Forest (laughs) away at Man City Forest win sorry away at Bournemouth home at Forest away at home to Forest sorry away at Man City away United and then home to Newcastle that is a horrendous run in the only game they might pick up points in is Forest. Even then, possibly. But basically, what I realized was there's three teams on 30 points. Okay. Yes. So, dream scenario. So, there's, well, there's five. Uh, hang on. One, two, three, four. Yeah, there's four teams that are in 16, 16 to 19 can catch them, essentially. So Everton would have to win four games, well, uh, win 3 and draw 1 to catch them yeah. on points. And then West Ham But then I don't
1: think they'd catch them on on goal difference. So I think you can yeah, rule yeah, Everton yeah. out.
0: But if they say they won, say they won four games, they could catch them. Yeah. And then Leicester Leicester Leeds and Nottingham, sorry, are on 30 points, therefore they need three wins to catch them on points and then obviously if they get more um if they, you know, if they get a draw. So there's all those teams can catch them. Then they've obviously got Bournemouth on the same amount of points as them, Wolves two points behind, and West Ham five points behind. They play Nottingham if they lose that. And, <laughs> mate, uh, basically what needs to happen is Leicester, Leeds, and Nottingham need to win. all need to win three games for it to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. No, I can't see I it happening. And in I, fact-
1: I think they're going to finish like 16th. I think they're going to finish like 16th or 17th. But they won't go down because it is a question of... it. If it was one team that needed to catch them by winning four games, like you're, you're basically asking for three concurrent miracles because Leeds don't look like winning a game, let alone four games. The same with Leicester and the same with Forrest. So if it was one team that had to do that to catch them I'd be much more on board but you're talking about those three dog teams winning their last four games it's not going to happen but Chelsea Chelsea will probably come somewhere between 14th and 17th Bournemouth are going to overtake him Wolves are going to overtake him and West Ham are going to overtake him 100% <laughs>
0: Let's move on. Arsenal teenager Charlie Patino set to leave club permanently in summer. Arsenal talent Charlie Patino is expected to leave the Emirates on a permanent basis this summer. With the club receptive to his desire to seek regular first-team football, Blackpool obviously went down. Arsenal activated an option to extend Patino's contract until 2025, but he is unlikely to feature in Mikel Arteta's plans next season, especially given the intention to upgrade their midfield before returning to the Champions League. Um, so this this to me is an interesting one because it feels like a bit of a watershed kind of moment um i think as many people have said if patino if patino was born 2 years earlier probably in this alternative timeline where he has the exact same path pathway in life uh, if he was probably he gets integrated
1: probably yeah,
0: yeah. probably he he gets he gets some time probably he's part of the first team squad probably he's he's already there if he's 21 but the, the the unfortunate victim of getting better at football is that there's less pathways for young players. As long as we get some kind of buyback or some kind of first refusal or some yeah. kind of sell-on clause, I, it really doesn't bother me. And I, and I think a lot of people are very stressed about it and say, oh, you know, this is the most special profile ever. And the thing is, right, is I don't know realistically i've i've seen all the youtube clips of patino i've seen him play live i think i've I've seen like two full 90s of him or something like that so i know a bit about him but i don't you know i would never pretend to be any kind of expert right one i guarantee most of the people stressed about it have watched maybe a minute of him on youtube absolutely guarantee and just like the sound of it if 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 he was called like charlie Plak Plak plaque they'd just be like no it's this like Patino, he's this like Spanish wizard, this, you know, sort of, oh, you know, he's got, he's got a Spanish background, it's so cool. Um, so I think there's a bit of that, and um, that's all which I talked about before. But I also feel, realistically, if he was good enough, if he was this unbelievable profile and how we let him go, he'd be in the first team.
1: He, he might he, be an unbelievable be, profile. He might be, be a be unicorn.
0: balling out for Blackpool. Yeah. And by the way, he's not absolutely balled out for Blackpool. He's done all right, but he's not changed the world. He
1: m- isn't good enough to play for us in the Champions League. And he isn't good enough to play for us in the Premier League. He's good enough to maybe play the first couple of games in an FA Cup run or a Carabao Cup run. What is going to serve Arsenal better? Selling him for 15 million quid this summer and inserting a 30 to 40 million pound buyback clause to a top of the kind of championship, bottom of the Premier League level club, having him pick up a shitload of minutes and possibly develop into a player worth that money and then buying him back or keeping him and having him rot in the reserves or at the back of the bench because he's not... The only way that you get good enough to perform at this level is by playing your way to it. Saka was not the player that he is now when he first started playing for Arsenal. Neither was Martinelli neither was Martin Erdegaard, neither was Ben White, neither was Gabriel. Like all of those players have had to play themselves up to the level that we're at now. We do not have the ability to give Patino the time to play himself up to that level. Send him to a place where he can. And if he gets good enough, buy him back. It's really, really simple. How many of these next, next Messi's, next Ronaldo's have we seen, but none of them come to fruition because they go to Barca or they go to Madrid and they sit on the bench for eight years, they get a testimonial and then they fuck off to Getafe and we never hear from them again. Because the only way that you can get yourself to that level, Ronaldo, when he started his career, was a very good player, nowhere near the player he was at the peak of his powers, like it's 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 a real simple equation that we're not going to be able to give the guy minutes, and he needs minutes to get better. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think it, I think it's just a case of you know, news comes out on a Monday morning. We all wake up, we all check Twitter, we all see Austin's tweeted. Everyone's going oh, this, that, and the other. And I like I I I get it. I do get it because we're you know we like young players and we like the idea of developing young players. But you know, I'm seeing like that no new thing guy being like you can't do this. It's like, bro, like what do you want? Do is he better ch-
1: than Kaiseido? Is he better than Mount? Is he better to all of these cent- central midfielders that we're being linked to in the market? I want to win the Premier League. I want to win the Champions League. Charlie Patino right now is not going to deliver that. If he was, he would be starting.
0: Exactly,
1: and this Granite Xhaka point. is not the finished article. Granite Xhaka has been a great player for us this season, but has his limitations if charlie patino was what this team needed and what we needed to be pushing ourselves to the premier league title he would be starting and the club would be nowhere near selling him as much as all these twitter nonces think that they know what's best there are analysts and people paid millions of pounds to decide whether these players are currently good enough or not. And that's fine that they're not. And it's fine that they also might be in the future, but you don't bet your current situation on a potential future when you can achieve that current situation. What's the point? You're you're betting Arsenal's long-term future on a gamble because Patino might be given all these minutes and turn out to be shit. You don't know. Look at Diaby. DRB was one of the most technically like, brilliant, powerful, wonderful midfielders. Suffered massively through injury and never never hit his potential. The same with Wilshere. The same with Ramsey. The same with so many players who could have been so much more than they were. There's no point gambling on somebody that hasn't played a, a Premier League minute, I don't think. What's the
0: point? Hmm. And the crucial, I think you're well said, but the, cr- the crucial part to me is if you are good enough, you will you make play. it. And yeah. you, like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, you, and there are people who aren't good enough who make it. Like, but if you're, there is no one on earth, I'm sorry. And good enough also means mentally and physically and, you know, prepared and all that sort of stuff. You know, you can have the talent, but it doesn't matter if you if you don't do all that. If you are ready, right for it, let's use that phrase, you will make it. So if he is right yeah. for it, he will make it. And then as long as mm-hmm. we insert the buyback, there is no loss here. So I don't understand. No. You know, I, don't, I don't understand. I Ooh, we lost and 15 million
1: also, quid on a player that we sold and bought back. Boo oh, fucking who?
0: But also, you know, even if we did, even if we sold him with no buyback, there's always talent. There is always talent. And I appreciate it would be hard to watch that, but there's always talent. And as I say, you know, Realistically, if he, if he is the saviour of all football, the best footballer since Lionel Messi and Maradona, then he will get there. Do you know what I mean? Because, because he's got that talent. So it doesn't bother me. Um, let's do... Uh, what should we do? Let's do a question. Let's do one. George Taylor says, I had a theory that as fans, we went through the five stages of grief during our derail title bid from denial, anger bargaining, depression, to acceptance. <laughs> Interested to get your thoughts, and at which particular moment did you experience any of the stages?
1: I think I experienced it all at once during those two fucking defeats. Two draws, <laughs> sorry. At bloody West Ham and... I th-
0: I think I was... I think I was... Denialing... around West Ham... Yeah, and then sort of angry end of West bargaining. Ham bargaining, into bargaining into
1: Southampton.
0: I think I was depressed heading into City, and I think by about by about fifty minutes of that game, after the third one goes in, I think I was upset. No, no, acceptance. no, mate. It was <laughs> I was onto
1: acceptance when I saw Rob Holding in the in the in the fucking starting lineup. I was like, that's it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Thanks, Mikel, for the memes.
0: Yeah, it's it's just it's just like, look, I, I I I do feel we're early in our cycle. We see, you know, we say this so much, but we're early. We don't have the squad. We're not as good as Man City, and that's a fact. So even if yeah. we win the league this season, we're not favourites next season. We're not. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So so it's it's we're 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 not as good as Man City. It may have worked out this season that we were, uh, that we were able to win the title. It may still work out that we win the title who knows. And we get our TDK tattoos and I do my, uh, remake of the Zinchenko music video. But when you take a step back and you look more broadly from a wider, wider lens, you can see that this is progress. This only, th- it's the only thing it can be described as is progress. Yeah. Um, not Nice Lemmy has asked, thoughts on Arsenal being linked with the likes of Zaha and Diaby, also Caicedo, Rice and Lavia. Gehi is a CB that I'm not too convinced. And I'm also going to chuck in Mason Mount in there. So let's go through. Uh, let's look at midfield. Uh, thoughts on any out of Mount, Caicedo, Race and, uh, Race, uh, Rice and Lavia? Who, by the way, um, you know, Rohan, uh, Rohan Jivan, who does the rewatch on TDK, thought his name was Latvia. <laughs> As in the country.
1: (laughs) The country. (laughs) Fuck's sake, Rohan. Um, Listen, uh, I think all of those midfielders are good enough to play for us. Definitely. Uh, You get different things with each one. My personal preference is to get Rice and Caicedo. I think Rice is the imperative. Um, And then out of those second options, I'd go for Caicedo. But if if we get Rice and Mount or if we get Rice and Lavia, am I going to be disappointed? No. It's a massive improvement on what we have. Um I don't think we'll get rice and lavia because i i, I for me i think lavia's long term futures at six and I think rice's long term futures at six so I don't see the 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 logic in that um i see we're, we we're, we're gonna do an episode on probably on you know i've suggested a format for Al for the summer transfer window and there's a lot to delve into about the positions in the squad that we'll actually have but Two high quality midfielders is what we need. All five of those names are high quality. So if we get two of them, like it, we're in a much better situation than we're currently in. So, I mean, um, centre back Gehe, I'm not convinced by, but you know, I remember saying 50 million for Ben White is far too much money, and it looks cheap for the quality of right back he's become. And also, I'd rather pay 45 million for Gehe and never have to see Rob Holding's new hairline ever again. And also, remember, it's silly season. This is when all the journos start linking everyone to everyone. And yes, it's come out by very trusted sources that Rice is our top target. I would not buy into any of the the news coming out about Gehi or about Diaby or about anyone else at the moment, because half the shit we do comes out fucking nowhere anyway. Like Fabio Vieira last season, just one journalist got the scoop and then it was completed in 24 hours. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that these links aren't true and we may be looking into a number, but this is the thing, like this is probably the start of Arsenal search that in no way means that we've gone and watched Mark Gahey and just decided he's the only one we're going to look at. Like we'll probably go and look at lots of other players and lots of other forwards and we'll, we'll pick
0: somebody good fine <laughs> you never know um yeah i think i think nicolas pepe deserves a second chance um i'll get him th- gone get him in a bin in nice <laughs> well this is kind of the thing i i, I look I, i'm all of those profiles i think you can make work in your head right you can you can go oh yeah okay mount maybe in the left eight kind of shuttling arriving the box sort of stuff yeah good presser okay yeah he yeah can see that as a sort of second centre-back, blah, blah. You can can go through it and go, all right, yeah, I can see that working. But as you say, it's city season and we we don't know. And realistically, the the thing that I want is a good mix of profiles and a mix of people who, to get to that magic number of 16, 17 this summer by signing four or five players where we go, yeah, we we can... have every game where we're basically at our level and then it's all about you know how you approach it and, and performances and it's not about profiles and the market anymore finally um so yeah uh, uh that's how i feel i think one thing an underrated element of this summer is is the outgoings and how much we could possibly raise from outgoings you know there's a oh, lot mate, there's, there's 15 lot players
1: there. that are, mate i've got a list go on this is what i mean by like i get obsessed with the transfer market Especially and contracts. when it comes up to this as well just and contracts
0: I'm just imagining this you summer, at 2am just oh, yeah, transfer market.
1: <laughs> absolutely oh, no I do it on my train journeys I, I find it really therapeutic this summer I reckon these players will be leaving Holding Pepe Laconga Tavares, Cedric Mari's already gone Maitland-Niles Runison Patino Trusty Baligan and then I think there's potential for Jorginho Tierney and Enketia to go that's 14 players that could possibly yeah. go. Three of those are a possibility. I can see a world where we decide that the centre forward market this summer isn't good, so we keep Inketia for a year, mm-hmm. and I can see um, a world where we keep Tierney
0: for another year. Uh,
1: Although maybe but- is
0: the maybe is the argument the centre forward market is a bit dead, so we can possibly sell Inketia and keep Balogun. or or is it oh, way, well, other the way around? here's the thing. It, I, think, about, yeah, I think yeah, it's the, the other way
1: around. Balogun is the hot. Balligan is the hot prospect that you go, we can get 35, 40, 45 million pounds for him to a European club, stick a buyback clause in. And if he does amazingly and becomes the centre forward that we want, you just buy him back and it costs you that little bit extra. But I don't. Yeah, I think there's just as I think there's more risk in bringing him back and giving him secondhand minutes because that price can go from 45 million to 15 million very quickly with no football played. And Enketti yeah. and is always going to have his value in England,
0: being homegrown. Yeah, yeah. I think is, does Balakin count as homegrown? No, must do. No, he must. Yeah, do, I think he's he trained, would. If, if he's if, trained in England if, for and three if we've years. Read, yeah, if,
1: if we've registered him, yeah, he he should do. And he'll he'll also get. But I think the thing is, is Eddie Nketiah will. The, 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 if we get, we'd probably get somewhere between fifteen to twenty million pounds for him this summer, right? I think he keeps that value after a year of second-string minutes because of the English value and the striker value. Strikers are notoriously difficult to come across. I think Balogun drops from being a forty-five million pound player to a fifteen to twenty million pound player after a bad season of second-string minutes. So you're talking about a twenty-five million pound loss there for the sake of it.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's so much there's so much potential uh for for sales and also because we're going to be in a, a strong position and this is another thing you know i, I i've i've made my defenses of edu because i've i've understood that we are in a certain phase of the of the project we've now moved into a different phase of the project and we're now selling from a, a position of strength so i want to see some yeah. you know balagan I, I want to see us get our record transfer um sale this summer i really do you know that's i think it's like thirty which isn't going to be
1: hard because it, it's, like it's 35 only 35 million or something
0: yeah, it's thirty five mil. It's Balogun, Timi, and Kettia. You know, whoever whoever it ends up being, I, I really think we should. If we're selling one of those guys, we we should we should do that. Let's do one more question before we finish. Uh, this question. is from Chaperdegard. Oh, Shaper. Oh, right. Very good. Who should be next into the managerial hall of fame after Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger? I personally think we can look no further. Than the goat, Sam Allardyce, uh, Pep, um, Mourinho. Yeah, mar- yeah. Who's first? So Alex and Arsene, because they've retired. Well, not necessarily, but you know they're out of out of top level management. And I they also did more for the game. Yeah. So
1: far, I think Pep Pep still feels like his journey's incomplete
0: yeah he's not because as yeah, much yeah.
1: like listen, I think Pep is one of the most wonderful minds in football uh, and has changed the game so much. But when you spend as much as he does, it's it's like anything. when you're on a certain scale, the objectives are different, and no matter the way that you look at it, if Pep leaves city without winning the Champions League, that's a failure because that's what they brought him in to do, and that's what they spent one and a half billion pounds on a squad to do. and if that's the objective and you don't meet the objective, you've failed. okay. You might win a shitload on the way and be the best team. But if you don't ultimately get what you want to get, you do fail. And you might fail brilliantly. It might be wonderful. I've had many moments in my lifetime where I've failed upwards, as people say. But it's still a failure. Um, Whereas I think that Jose Mourinho's story very much has come to an end in the Premier League. Fucked up his last few years at Tottenham. Wasn't exactly great at United. But you can't forget his Chelsea. He still holds the record for being the best defence in the league. Ever mm, fifteen or sixteen goals in a season—that's like, disgusting.
0: Yeah, I, I also think. Firstly, I think his United time period was underrated, and I also think his Spurs period is going to show at the moment. It's just it, the structure of that club is fucked, so he had no chance anyway. Not yeah. to say he couldn't have done better, but he could have. But also, you know, we're seeing that there was a lot of other elements as well. He's also
1: having problems at Roma, so I think it's six or one and a half doesn't in the other. But
0: yeah. Um, I also I was in Italy recently and I went to go and watch his Roma team and they are so dull <laughs> so dull um, yeah the um, uh, yeah you've you also got to consider his impact on the Premier League in terms of popularising it and, you know in that sort of two thousand yeah. mid 2000s period Mourinho was the guy in the league do you know what I mean so mm-hmm. um, yeah maybe Mourinho I think once Pep's done Pep probably yeah yeah um, Anyone else? I don't think
1: you induct play- people into a Hall of Fame that are currently... No, you can't. ...doing it. I think that's strange.
0: Yeah. Who... What other... Maybe Frank Lampard? <laughs> I mean, who else? Who else is there? Yeah. There's not really... Like, I think we're kind of going I through mean, the new... you know cl- like, I mean, cl- like you know At some point in the future, after, you could... Yeah, uh, after okay, Pep
1: and Mourinho and maybe... Alan Pardew, we can stick Klopp in. Alan Pardew, yeah, Stole what of the game, Alan Pardew.
0: Was that a joke? Yes, of okay. course it was. But the way you said it, didn't you? Are you sure? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I snuck it in there, Dad. Okay. don't you worry. Okay, there was a moment where I was like, "Am I? Am I dreaming?" <laughs> I just said Alan Pardew. <laughs> Uh, I'm an
1: actor darling didn't you know
0: yeah it's very good it's very good right Brad we have just got time for for a little bit of Arsenal trivia the theme was bad boys of Arsenal Uh, so I went for Wojciech Szesny and I asked you, how tall is Wojciech Chesney? Six foot four. Oh, six foot five. Ah, he's a big motherfucker. He's a big motherfucker, six foot five. Big boy. Is there, is there anyone on our team six foot? Five? No, Saliba's six four. Gabriel's six three. Ramsdale's only six
1: two, I think, which is short for a keeper.
0: Tiny. Absolutely, absolute shit Imagine being 6'2". Mm, Could never be me.
1: Imagine that's fucking embarrassing, bro.
0: Could never be me. Could Your theme me. for this week, and I'm going to be asking you for a theme in a second, Bradley. Really? But, I, I... Don't, don't, don't. Really, me? The amount of times you've forgotten. <laughs> oh, really? Yes, really. You forget, <laughs> prick. Try and show me up on my own bloody podcast. Um, the theme was Sir Robert Holding Uh, and I would like you to name five managers that Sir Robert Holding has played under I'd like you to name five I'll accept interims as well five managers that Sir Robert Holding has played under now you'll know four immediately and you do know the fifth trust me so name five managers that he's played under and a theme please
1: uh, the theme for next week, uh, seeing as I'm sporting some new Arsenal clubber that I got for my birthday, they make really nice stuff, man. Genuinely, props to the fucking team. Uh, I want to go with kit sponsors. So a question about kit sponsors from any era of Arsenal, preferably one I know about. So probably 90s onwards.
0: Okay. Bradley. City face Leeds United on Saturday. They then go away to Madrid on Tuesday the 9th. They are then uh, away at Goodison Park on the 14th of May. They then go back uh, and play uh, Real Madrid at the Etihad on the 17th of May. Then they have three more Premier League games at home to Chelsea, away at Brighton and then away at Brentford. Arsenal, as we know, are away at Newcastle this weekend, home to Brighton away to Forest and at home to Wolves Arsenal are on 78 points Man City are on 79 points how does it finish up? Arsenal will win the league <laughs> <laughs> I they said we were but uh, but I've changed my mind I don't think we will
1: Arsenal are winning the league big Sam Aladice is going to come through and slap City 1-0 and then Brighton and
0: Hove Albion are going to do the same I think City will drop points. Let's be clear. I think City will drop points. No, I just don't think it enough. It's happening. <laughs>
1: this isn't a question. We're winning the league.
0: And on that the bombshell... The copium is real.
1: The copium is real. The
0: copium. <laughs> on that bombshell, it's time to end. Thank you so much for it listening. We stunning. appreciate you. We'll be back after uh, Newcastle this weekend will be uh there's gonna be a bonus podcast out for the patrons and only for the patrons because they're special uh tomorrow because they pay us money yeah because they pay us money uh we're gonna be talking about the academy i want to start a podcast with george because george knows fucking loads about the academy so essentially oh no that'll be on friday sorry um and uh, we're going to be talking once a month about the Academy, getting some updates on who's coming through, what's going on, FA Youth Cup final, all that sort of stuff, and just getting a sort of update. So that will be on the Patreon. If you're interested in that, you can sign up at patreon.com. If not going to be mentioned that this podcast yet, yeah, we have three times. Uh, it's three now. quid. Come on, lads. <laughs> I spent
1: three quid on a protein bar today. Sort it out. Brad, you don't, you're not even signed up to the Patreon. I know it's because it was going to, it's because I was really, really poor and it was going to bounce and I didn't want it to affect my credit score. So I canceled it.
0: That is so sad. But then I got paid, so good vibes. (laughs) You couldn't afford three pounds?
1: No, I, so the way I run my finances, I run myself a month in arrears and the way it worked out with the payments for this job, it just meant that I bet I I was like by the end of the month fucking running by the absolute skin of my teeth. So, I was Mate, like, if, if you need no. up, I'm really signing up. It's no problem. <laughs> no, no, no. I had enough money for food. I had
0: enough money for everything. Like, I was fine.
1: Okay. It's just there, were, there was no frivolities last month. Yeah, yeah. There will be many frivolities this month.
0: S- I can't wait for that little notification. New patron, Bradley Adams. It's going to be the best day of my life. Yeah. Oh, darling. I also, I also made a joke about you. I make a joke about you most weeks in um, my bonus content. And I don't tell you what it is. Do you? Yeah. Right, thanks as always for listening. Keep it Different Knock, and we will see you later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock and Arsenal podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support The Different Knock, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. We're on all social media at Diff Knock. Thanks. Podcast Network.